0: Welcome to the Fearless Leader Podcast, where we have authentic conversations about culture, community, health, and education. Now, here's
1: your host, Jason Belton. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Fearless Leader Podcast. Today, I have Dr. Lammy, Dr. Patrick Lammy from Bloomfield College, uh, who serves as the vice president of student affairs and community relations. Uh, Doc, it was, a, it was a heavy title on that one. So I kind of had to dip back and <laughs> make sure I said it the right way. I just, you know, I don't want to play a game, but I want to make sure I respect the title. Uh, and so I have a a, 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 a quick history with, with Dr. Lammy, a very professional gentleman, a very respectful, always positive, made sure um, I went to Bloomfield on a couple of tours, called him. Uh, he invited me in was able to see a lot of the, the, the positive things happening at Bloomfield College. Didn't know that as many, that every year we were sending students um, were, were transferring straight into Bloomfield College. I, I didn't know the numbers. I was on campus, Doc, I think when I remember. And students were like, hey, Mr. Belton, hey, Mr. Belton, I didn't know that many of our students were transferring directly to you. Uh, and then you walked me through um, uh, some of the programs. So I definitely want to highlight or want you to highlight some of those things. But before we even get Uh, that far out, I want you to just introduce yourself to the listeners.
0: Sure, sure. Um, Patrick Lammy, Vice President for Student Affairs for Relations. I'm saying that again. (laughs) It is a long, it is a handful. Um, I've been at Bloomfield College now for 28 years, um, having served at um, two other institutions in varying capacities prior. Uh, And, you know, my time here has been a blessing because I've had the opportunity to educate mostly black and brown kids. And that's been my passion, um, which is why I stayed as long as I have, because I see that our institution with the wealth of resources that we provide for our students, it's something special and very different. And um, when we have such a commitment to first-generation and students who have been marginally removed from higher ed, it's important that they see people like me on the campus to, to, to be there as a mentor supporter and do whatever we can. I mean, we have um, one goal at Bloomfield College is that um, any student we enroll, we believe, has the opportunity for success. And we have to commit ourselves to that task.
1: Right, right. Doc, when I first, when uh, I think it was one of the um, uh, earlier times when I stopped through and we were talking about students uh, possibly attending Bloomfield College, was it the time, was it students able to attend Bloomfield College with or without an SAT exam or an SAT score? Well, at
0: that time, when we first started, I think we had just moved to SAT optional. I think that was probably in 2000, had to be 2017, maybe. Okay. Um, It was about three years ago. And, you know, for us, you know, we, we, we believe that students come with other skills and, and potential that the SAT and ACT cannot measure. Right. And so we factor in what the student has done in high school, what involvement they've had in community service, mm-hmm. leadership, um, their actual GPA. Right. And what right. courses they've taken. Um, <laughs> right. That weighs heavier for us, more, yeah. um, far more than um, ACT or, or SAT score.
1: Well, I'm glad so you we, said. We
0: removed it.
1: Right. Well, I'm glad you said that, Doc, because I think sometimes students are under the impression that well, because the SAT or the ACT is removed, it's like, hey, it's a, it's a, it's almost like a clear shot, and they're not really paying attention to the idea that now the weight is on the GPA and those other and those other scores. So I appreciate that you you know putting that in so that folks are not thinking like, oh, that's the that's just the place I could you know throw the application in, and then I'm you know I'm shoe in. No, the, you know, the
0: application will be evaluated. I mean we. We believe that we want students to, to have a level of college preparation. And mm-hmm. so courses that students have taken and how they perform in those courses are is the is the weighted part of this process, you know, and their essay and recommendations from from people on your team, for example, mm-hmm. would carry a lot more weight.
1: Doc, how many students actually live on campus? Because I mean, Bloomfield College is is nestled in the the, the downtown area of Bloomfield. I mean, you could you could miss it if you just stayed on on the main avenue. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I know you guys are doing a lot of going and developing, but how many students actually stay on campus?
0: We have about a third of our students stay on campus. We have 679 vets. Okay. Um, right now, we're averaging between 1,600 1800, and 1,800 students on a given semester. So, you know, over a third of our students live on campus. And why that's important, and let me kind of expand on that a bit. Um, right now, we're talking about the importance of first-year students in particular. You know, if I had it my way, Mr. Baldwin, I would kind of require first-year students to stay on campus. Mm. because I think that experience is kind of uh, an essential foundation Mm -hmm. for students to understand the collection of of the opportunities that exist on the college campus that sometimes a commuter student cannot. So, we're in discussion right now. How do we make that affordable so that it's not kind of a burden on the parents and the student? Mm-hmm. Because we, we make that mandatory, we want you here. Right. But we do know that students who live on campus stay here longer, graduate at a higher rate. So, if I can give everybody that piece of foundation, right. mm-hmm. the end result is a lot better.
1: Let me ask you well, on, on that note, then, how many, uh, how many of your freshmen actually uh, transition to their sophomore year? How many are staying around?
0: Well, typically our first year retention rate is around 65%. Okay. So, you know, we lose a a very large number of students during the first year. And, you know, that's something that we're working on. We just launched a new strategic plan with a number of new initiatives to combat that specific issue. Mm -hmm. And um, ideally we would like over 75 to 80% of our students being here starting their second year. Mm -hmm. But the number one issue that students struggle with on our campus is really the academic adjustment, you know. Uh, that, that's really the issue. And affordability is still an issue, but we put so much resources, um, and we invest so much resources for the students we serve that we're realizing that even the students who are withdrawing or stopping out have zero expected family contributions in a lot of mm-hmm. cases. Right. Which means right. affordability was not really a factor. It's really right. the adjustment mm-hmm. and the motivation and. Um, and also, you know, what we're discovering right now is, you know, I do a lot of work on a retention task force on our campus. So I'm the chair of that task force. So I do a lot of evaluation of the data annually to kind of okay. see what, why students are leaving. And most of them are not leaving to transfer. A lot of them leave because one, they have, and you know this as well as I do, based on the students you serve, a lot of our students going to college with job responsibilities to help the families. I mean, yeah. They're not your traditional student,
1: right? And right. people
0: think all students are the same, but you know, I'm a first generation student, and I'll tell you, I had a job since I was 13, and you know, mm-hmm. so that that yeah. that's now that doesn't go away. Right. And so right. you know, our kids have responsibilities at home. They're trying to hold on a job, trying to handle a curriculum that they need a lot of help with. So you got to steer them in that direction constantly to kind of take advantage of that. Correct and. They find out that they're um they have a lot to do a lot more preparation than 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 some other students, you know.
1: Right, right. Well, you know, um, I remember having a conversation with you. We even spoke about it just uh, prior to this conversation. And um, one of the programs that you guys had that I had I haven't heard at any other school. Now I'm not sure I haven't been to every school, Doctor Lammy, but I know I've spoken to representatives from other um, institutions, and I haven't heard about the uh, First Year Parent Engagement Program. So Mm -hmm. can you talk about, talk a little bit about that?
0: Sure. Um, In 2013, um, you know, we began to expand our parent orientation to, from two hours to about four hours. This is the orientation that we said in August. And from speaking to parents um, during those times, we realized that a number of parents are going through the. Experience with their students for the first time. Okay. So, you know, and I use myself as an example. You know, my mother had no idea what college was about for me. You no, know, okay. right. she, she didn't know that mm-hmm. going to orientation was an important thing that parents do. Right. She didn't go. Mm-hmm. You, know, mm-hmm. so, you know, parents, yeah. right. that's, that's real. Yeah. And so, understanding the psychology behind parents not having attended college themselves, not understanding the experience. The students going through it for the first time without the support of parents who have gone through that experience. Right, we right. We acknowledge that we needed to create a platform to help parents because we had to make them part of the village. Um, our students need a village of support. And so if I'm telling at our students to, you know, you need to cut your hours from 30 on your job to work 20 so you can focus more on your academics, mm-hmm. and the parent is saying, no, you need to work full time because we need you to help at home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are, we speak in two separate languages, right and, right? and then, then there's also the issue of the importance of the students we serve to complete FAFSA, and all the administrative stuff that parents have to do that they don't right. understand.
1: Right. You know, they
0: is this application? Why do they mm-hmm. need my taxes? You know, why do they need my income? Like, right. I and, get that now. Yeah, a lot yeah. Of us, yeah. Culturally, we protect those things. Right. You know? Yes, sir. And for, for first generation parents, that's even um, it's a deeper issue. So, we made an investment to create a first year parent engagement program, which is a year long program for first year parents to help them through the entire process okay why is, how what's going to happen with your son at midterms what they're going to experience over the first semester when they're going to have stress right. when final exams are um, we bring them on campus to speak with the counseling center to kind of understand all the resources There's a village of people mm-hmm. who are centered around your student mm-hmm. um, you know and are there to help, what tutoring services are, so that when they're having a conversation with their student, they could say, hey, um, you said you were struggling with this class. Have Mm -hmm. you gone to the tutoring center? I heard there's tutoring free for every class available on campus. You know, they're they're part of the team.
1: Right. So, um, you know,
0: and we find that parents who are involved in that program, their students succeed at a much higher rate during the first year than parents who are not involved.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's just intuitive and expected.
1: Doc, when you talked about those opportunities that are offered on campus, uh, first year students, are students uh, given opportunities to do like a work study? Is that further down the line? No, no.
0: We we try to encourage first year students to work on campus first and foremost. I mean, that's like we, we, we prioritize that as long as they're eligible for work study there. We try to. In fact, most of my staff are required to hire a first year student. That's just bottom
1: okay. line. <laughs> so, um, okay. So, you guys, do you guys have like a set? You guys really try to engage the first year student?
0: There's a, they, I'll go through some of the things that are available for first year students um, from the very beginning. Um, Post orientation, we have um, students who live on campus, let's start with them, they have a residential coach. So every first year student is assigned to a professional who lives in the building with the first year student that they have to meet with once a month. Mm-hmm. That's point one. Commuter students have to meet with their first year academic advisors monthly as well to talk about to develop an action plan. So this, those are the resources, and that's every, right. that's for every first year student. Then you have the first year seminar. Here you have that. That's a how to orient yourself to college. Right. You have that, and so yeah, and you have first year orientation, which really spills over to. These are all the resources you have available to you, including mm-hmm. tutoring and encouraging every student to take advantage of all the opportunities on campus. So um, we know the importance of the first year and, you know, more than ever now with COVID, it's, it's extremely presents, uh, it's extremely important for us to take the right steps mm-hmm. because new challenges are on the table. Um, with students being remotely. So, you know, yeah. how do you engage tutoring services remotely? Mm-hmm. So all of our services are still available to every student right now. Nothing stopped during COVID.
1: Oh, excellent. Excellent, Doc. So, Doc, but even so now I know, like when you guys are really, when you guys are back in brick and mortar, that those tutoring services I know um, are available, but I'm, I come in, uh, first or second year student, I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. My advisor picks that up. Like, how do you guys ensure that I'm, in tutoring?
0: Well, there's two things that happen. Um, we have a program called Starfish, which so there's a bunch of people who are involved in this one program. Okay. Um, it's one of those customer management relations programs, but it's focused on students, a student center program. Mm-hmm. So we send the faculty out uh, a Starfish alert for them to respond to a group of people who handle starfish, who deal with tutoring, counseling, all of the other resources. Right, say, right, right. Um, prior to midterm, how's the student doing? Are they going to class? Blah, blah, blah. And then from that outreach, we start with the professors completing that small task. Um, you know, uh, Jason Belton has not been in class for two weeks. You know, <laughs> he right. has not take. He missed the first exam. Right. So that goes into a central area where all the people who need to know mm-hmm. about Jason Belton mm-hmm. kind of flag that, reach out to Jason Belton, he must go to the tutor. When Jason Belton goes to the tutor register, a flag come back that that happened, Okay, that the action occurred.
1: Okay. Does that make sense? No, it does. And I'm, I'm going to let you know outright, because you know, uh, you're my guy, that um I will be lifting the starfish uh verbiage from you. And we'll be mm-hmm. incorporating that now because I like that whole starfish plan. I like that mm-hmm. whole piece right there, Doc. I, that That's all right right there. Doc, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Diversity on the campus. What does that look like out in Bloomfield?
0: Well, I mean, we're a very diverse campus, although most of our students are black and brown. Okay. And I say diversity comes in, in various forms mm-hmm. you know, defined beyond just the issue of race yes, and, yes. and ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And very diverse campus where we're, pretty much 50% um, students of African descent, about 30% students of Latin American descent. But that bridges all the diaspora of Black from around the world. Right, right, right. Um, but I, I will tell you what's really important for us when we talk about the issue of diversity. Our new president, who's just completing her second year, um, just launched a task force on diversity, equity, and inclusion. OK. And. Um, I'm one of the co-chairs of that task force along with one of my faculty colleagues. And the idea there is, because we're a, a high minority population does not mean that we're diverse, you know, right. and, and that we understand diversity, right, Exactly. we understand equity, we understand mm-hmm. inclusion, because those definitions expand beyond yes. color. Right. So on our campus, the conversation right now is how do we infuse diversity, um, equity, and inclusion into the curriculum? so that our curriculum reflects our community and the, and, the, and the global community as well? How do we introduce programs for students to keep those conversations going? How do we bring the social contemporary issues in the media into the classroom, into conversations outside of the classroom? Right. Um, we had a Black Lives Matter rally um, on our campus back in, I think, September. And, um, and we, we put a Black Lives Matter poster up, wrapped one of our buildings with it, because okay. you know what? That's the kind of campus we are right and and what does that mean to the student who's not black who's a, who's a Caucasian mm-hmm. you know we these are the conversations that we have in a place like ours mm-hmm. understanding that we have a mission that's committed and grounded in the issue of diversity equity and inclusion
1: right right doc what are you doing what is the school doing to sort of to go and get those black and brown students from those high schools like what what's what's is it like a, a um a concerted uh, effort, like I say, a plan to go pull these kids in. So, how are you introducing the the you know Bloomfield College to those schools and, and bringing those kids back in?
0: Well, our goal is to first. The first thing is we have to embrace who we are. We are a minority serving institution. We're a small institution. We're the only predominantly black four year and institution in, in New Jersey mm-hmm. and both HSI and and PBI des- designation. Okay. Nobody else looks like us and and we embrace that. I mean, that's the bottom line. So the issue is, we're welcome. Our goal is to recruit any and all students from any in, in um, high school mm-hmm. or, or 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 community college or two year institution. However, um, we just identify ourselves and take pride in being a minority serving four year institution. Um, we don't intentionally say we're going to have this percentage of African American students this year. Right. No, that's not. That's not our approach. Our right. approach is. Embracing who we are and those who find value in our mission and our vision and our core values as an institution will find us attractive as we find them attractive right, as well to, right. to our community. So from our standpoint right now, we're targeting Essex County very highly. That's where mm-hmm. most of our students are from.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we're targeting Passaic County. We're targeting Union County, Hudson County. I mean, the, the, the radius that's immediately surrounding us in Bergen. Right. And those counties come with different groups of, you know of people. Right. Um, uh, and so, and in that, in the mix of those counties that we highly focused on, we hope to have a pool of students that's as diverse as a pool of students that's currently enrolled here.
1: Gotcha. Doc, what majors are, um, are, uh, are uh, popular out in Bloomfield? I'm sorry? What majors, what majors uh, do majors? you have that are, pop, that are uh, popular out that way?
0: Well, you know, uh, number one of our flagship programs is, um, our creative arts technology program and our nursing program, um. Both of those programs are in the top rankings in the state of New Jersey, where creative arts being number one and nursing being number two in the state. Okay. And so wow. when you look at um, a college like ours and a small institution, um, we're producing more black and brown nurses than just about anybody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in, in, in the time that we're in right now, we're right. making that difference on the ground. Right. Um, on, on the ground. And and not only that, um, our nurses are hired at almost a 100% rate before they even- walk off the stage. I mean, that's the kind of program we have. Mm -hmm. We also have um, a very uh, special program called um, creative arts technology that we started in the 90s. And when no one was really thinking about the issue of um, animation and how it's going to play into the the gaming um, industry, Mm -hmm. um, graphic design, um, multimedia, um, 3D animation, 2D animation, um, music production, video Mm -hmm. production, um we started in that space we, we've been in that space over 20 years so it's not surprising that we're the number one program in new jersey right now even though mm-hmm. there's several others that came up um, behind
1: right, us. right right
0: and what that program produces are the people who are building websites uh, yeah. building graphics for commercials uh, mm-hmm. animation is critically important in messaging you know like people don't understand how these things translate into real life high-tech world that we're living in right now. right um, we're, we're graduating students who are who are producers in in, in the in the in the TV industry mm-hmm. you know because they they come out with that skill right we're graduating uh, students who are music engineers engineers in, in yep. studios. so mm-hmm. those are spaces that people were not thinking about that you needed to be credentialed right um, but now you know for you to, to master a piece of music to, from from ground one to ten it's a, it's a training yeah. it's, you have to be yeah. trained to do that Right. So, um but those are our two flagship programs but we offer uh a host of other programs, including uh, a bachelor's in criminal justice,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, including um, sociology, psychology, um, uh, uh, the the natural sciences, biology, chemistry, um, the humanities as Mm -hmm. well. Um, We have an education program that now has a graduate level tier. And at some point, I want to talk with you about um, creating a special scholarship program for your teachers who want to get a master's degree at Bloomfield College. Because I think that's a natural segue for those who are working on on that plan and want to um, get that next uh,
1: credential. Excellent. Hey, Doc, expound a little bit more on the gaming program. I remember coming there one time. I'm not sure I, I was on a, you know, you allowed me to just walk in, walk through the building, uh, the university a few times. But there was a time when I walked through and I and like I saw a sign, I believe it was like in, that, in the gaming building and they had like these, I think like these people who produced the games, or they 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 manufactured, or they created, and it was like just like a weekend long program, like I had never seen that before. Do I mean I I realized you know we got you know COVID jumped into the mix, but walk me through that, explain that to the listeners about that program.
0: Yeah, there's a program. It's a conference that's held here. I think it's every year in the spring typically. Uh, it was just probably when you're on campus and. Um, is our gaming program really has professionals who are involved from all over the industry, people, mm-hmm. people who are designing. Um, at one point, the person who designed Grand Theft Auto was part of the team of people that, were, that <laughs> was involved. You know, um, but, you know, so it, it runs the gamut of um, simple games, you know, mm-hmm. you know, where there's games that are educational, right. um, to, to games that are really moving to the PlayStation and Nintendo world. So, right. Um, students who are in our programs kind of fall into that industry that kind of, that's kind of people forget mm-hmm. about it like when your kid won a video game, someone conceptualized that right the program, They wrote the code for it. So those kids come out with coding capacity. so they're really more or less computer engineers as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. as game designers. So it's mm-hmm. a blend of both. So what you witnessed on that weekend is really the industry coming together. To talk right. about the future of gaming, right, and, and, right. and, and where our students will fit in, the, in that space, and um, but not only that, when you think about gaming in the con- in the context of simulations, that's coming. That's the bigger thing now. Right. As we move to less in-person interaction, a, a simulation is is designed by somebody who's a game designer, right, exactly, or or three D animation person, or right. Or, and so all, all those interactive media start at that platform. So it's really. Goes across multiple, multiple industries.
1: Doc, how do you stay? Because you guys aren't like a large, like a, a a large institution. How do you stay competitive?
0: Well, we stay competitive because a lot of our professors, even those who are full time and not full time, are people who are active in this in the field. So we we right. intentionally hire people who are what we call practitioners. Right. So when you're hiring an adjunct for your gaming um, program, you're hiring somebody who's working. For Full time in that space. Mm-hmm. So remaining competitive me is really about who you have in the leadership of those programs, whether it's nursing, gaming, or any any other major. Correct. And the people they're hiring.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, so I'm I'm invited often to teach teach courses in student affairs at other institutions because I do that every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? right. So, so I'm the best person to go do that if I right. want to be invited externally, right? Because I'm the experience I'm having yesterday is relevant to the classroom today. You know. Right. Um, right. So I think it's really about. Being uh, competitive in who you bring into the fold to teach our students to, to be to remain competitive.
1: How now? I know you said that you would bring in families uh, so that you could work directly with the fam, so that the school could work directly with families as far as um, application, the process, um, the FAFSA, things mm-hmm. like that. How do you? What? Well, how do you? When it comes to the financial aid packaging, right? Mm-hmm. And we spoke earlier, and you were like well, you know, um, we make sure that we, we where it's not, it doesn't become like too hard for the parent to under to pay for school, for mm-hmm. them to understand. What's the affordability with Bloomfield College though? Like when, when, well, when parents are thinking about making that decision, like how is that, what do you guys go through as far as the affordability of, of the school?
0: I mean, for the students we serve, which are, you know, I'll, I'll start with first, my first response to that is, more than 95% of our students receive some form of financial aid from us. Let's okay. start with that. So right, we're, we're right. Weak, but the money's on the table from us before we even right. start with loans or anything like that. Right. But for the population of students we serve, um, if parents took the time to kind of let us help them understand the process, right. because what typically happens is, you know, when you present a person who's making average family income for a Bloomfield College student is $33,000. Okay, That's the median income. So I'm presenting a $31,000 tuition to a family who's making <laughs> 33000 like 33000
1: right, right. <laughs> so, right yeah, that you know, looks I mean, scary. That looks a little scary, Doc. <laughs> that come looks on. Scary. The shock factor alone <laughs> is not <kinda> like, <laughs> right. like, how am I going to pay for this Exactly.
0: So if I don't right. make the investment in the parent to say, hey, listen, if you're based on your income, your son or daughter is going to qualify for a TAG if you keep it... In the state of New Jersey, because mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people think going outside of the state is right, the answer, yeah. it's mm-hmm. absolutely not the answer. Right. For a parent from a high need, mm-hmm. from a student from a high need, it's not the answer mm-hmm. because there's so many unexpected expenses. Right from well, going out of state, yes, sir. including sometimes institutions charge out of state tuition fees. Which is right, a, exactly. A fee yes. on top of the regular yep. fee, mm-hmm. and parents don't understand that math and how to adds up. So, first thing, I just keep them in state. A school like Bloomfield. A student in this particular financial category is going to get about eighteen to nineteen thousand dollars from the state of New Jersey. So your thirty-one thousand dollar expense
1: just is now cut 19, down.
0: Right, just exactly. Cut down there. Yep. Between Pell and TAG. Now the college is going to tell you, we're going to give you a almost a matching scholarship for the balance, and you may owe, if you have the means to pay it, three thousand dollars in the EFC for the year. So you're thirty one th- on a payment plan that can go mm-hmm. as well as, as long as ten months a year.
1: Right. So right.
0: Thirty one thousand dollars fear factor become a three thousand dollar challenge for your family right. that we will try to work you through if you can't afford it. Right. So if the, if you don't if you don't have that conversation, people won't understand it because you know if I'm looking at a thirty one thousand dollar bill and I make it two thousand dollars more in a year, right? That math just yeah, sends a message Impos- right. impossible. Mm-hmm. Right. Unless, I, unless you take the time. So so my point earlier is, you know, we as an institution, uh, and you and, and our partnership, we have to work together to kind of talk parents through the process. Um, that um, when your kid is asking for information, it's because the federal government needs it. Mm-hmm. The state of New Jersey needs it. Mm-hmm. It's not a pry into your privacy. <laughs> right, because, right, right, right. You know, right. And, and if you don't give your kid that information, they're losing $19,000 in free money. I do what it means.
1: I do want to take a a second just to say thank you because I remember having a conversation with you and we were trying to figure out uh, ways in which we could reduce the amount of money students would have to pay uh, upon arrival at Bloomfield College, and you were you were quick to be like, "Listen, we need to put this on paper." And I remember, you know, the um, the past administration um, in in Orange. Uh, sat down with you and, and made that happen. And uh, and so definitely kudos to you and your team, Doc, because it was really, I mean, it like the, the, the document was written up, it went to you, came back, we confirmed and it was a go. And so to my listeners, it was really about uh, Bloomfield College saying, okay, listen, we realized that these many students um, leave Orange High School and, and come to Bloomfield College. And so what we would like to see is And and so the conversation became around the finances Mm -hmm. and you guys were like, listen, uh, you know, if if look at, let's look at GPAs, let's look at all of the things that we're going to say, that's going to count to get this kid on campus. And, um, and if certain kids, and if students are in good standing and, and, and then you went, you guys went a little further because it just wasn't one tier. I think it was like three tiers, three different Mm -hmm. levels that a kid could get into Bloomfield college and at a reduced rate. So, you know, folks, you know, that, that was, you know, that's almost unheard of to me. So I I wanted to, you know, make sure that, you know, I commended Bloomfield College and and you and your team, uh, you know, when you guys came to the table on that doc, that was, that was excellent.
0: Well, I mean, we, I thought that was a great partnership, which we still have, and um, what's different about that partnership though, that that I must expand on is, that partnership was for a four-year commitment. See, other schools don't do that. See, people want right, right. give your students a lot of money during the first year to get them yeah. in the yep, door. Yeah, to get
1: them in the door. And you said that the then. Yep. Exactly. But
0: our agreement was for a full four years. So mm-hmm. that student was getting a total of 30000 It was a full package student. That was that student went free. <laughs> it was, it was right. a full four-year yeah. commitment. Yes. It was, um, and so, but you know, what we realized that a lot of our students who leave the state or, or select the institutions, um, if you don't have the kind of partnership, if higher education and K-12 don't start to collaborate the way they were collaborating, mm-hmm. um, we'll go down the path of students not going to college at all because they don't understand how it can happen.
1: Right. So I right. think
0: you and the Orange Board of Ed for kind of being one of the first ones to step to the table to say, hey, let's, 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 let's engage in this partnership.
1: Right. Doc, also at that time, we had um, one of the one of the major concerns I remember coming from you was the uh, to make sure that academic that the students were coming to Bloomfield College academically sound. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you were like you was like, Mr. Bell. And listen, we need to make sure that even in the even in the sense, I think we were supposed to work together to sort of create like a summer bridge program or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing, Doc, and not just from Orange, but from all over when the kids pipeline into you? What are you seeing as far as deficiencies and things like that are concerned?
0: I think um, the, the biggest challenge that particularly first year students run into is in the, is in the college math and, and, and college level writing. Those are the mm-hmm. first two challenges.
1: All, first of two things, all of the things they leave the high school with, I guess. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are two <laughs> main things. <laughs> right. And, um,
0: you know, so, so we, we created a, a new summer bridge program about two years ago. Um, which is uh, actually free to any student. It's kind of an right. early start program. And so um, the students commute to it. Um, there's no charge. They actually get a college credit during the summer. Okay. And they get an intensive math and English um, uh, component of that summer for about four weeks. Okay. And that's separate from EOF and separate, you know, that's a separate program altogether. Right. right. And so that's open to any student. And we created that opportunity. And, you know, and surprisingly enough, uh, surprisingly, not a lot of parents. Back to my point about the importance of parents being understanding these right, things. Right. Um promoted that experience, understanding that if you do this, the success level at first semester is going to going change. To be,
1: right. It's gonna
0: improve. Right. And um, and you know, and it's a free it's a free program for, for the student mm-hmm. and the parents. It, it doesn't cost them anything. They right. get, and then they get a free college credit. So it's wow. it's such an attraction that I don't understand why. Yeah. It's not over enrolled in the summer. Right. Be right. with you. Um, typically, we have about no more than forty to fifty students in some cases that take advantage of that
1: right. of
0: an incoming class of about four hundred. So wow. you know wow. it's and uh, and sometimes and, and interestingly enough though this is what surprisingly in some ways um, the students who take advantage of it are usually the students who are. Actually, already very well prepared, yeah, and right, so, yeah, right. <laughs> no, they see that they see the opportunity, Yeah, they, right, like, oh, right. I'm, I'm, gonna, stay I'm ready. gonna get
1: on that, that's right, Doc. That's right, that's yeah, right. So. we doc. got some work to do there. What about uh, so, um, and, well, Doc, you know, even on that note, well, when you're saying you got work to do there, uh, and I'm gonna leave it alone, but I, I, I feel like I'm in the same boat with you because I mean, that even to make that transition from where I am to you. Um, you know, just sometimes have to bring the to bring the parents in and have that conversation. Like, you know, um, Bloomfield College or the institute they're off they're offering your son and daughter this, and all we need to do is this, and and it's and it's and it's, a, it's a it's a struggle. So I, I I totally understand that that with you. Or student organizations and clubs. Mm-hmm. Walk me through that at, at Bloomfield.
0: Uh, We have, um, you know, we have a a very diverse group of student organizations and clubs, including Greek life, very active Greek life on campus. Um, So overall, we're probably have anywhere from between the Greek organizations and student organizations, anywhere from 40 to 60 organizations students can participate in or -hmm. join, however you want to do it. And we have a very active student government as well. And we have a very active Greek council. Um, So... The student organizations report through uh, an area called the Center for Student Leadership and Engagement on our campus. Okay. That's the area that deals with all of the, and we call it Student Leadership and Engagement because we don't look at it as student activities. We look at it, we're going to build you as a leader, and we're going to engage you in your development. So most of our programs are uh, uh, are intentional and connected to the learning goals of the institution, which means that what you're learning in the classroom is reflected in other activities that you right. are doing outside. So on any given day, for example, even right now, we have about 60 students on campus over the break. Um, the residential education office is doing an activity every day during the spirit, like every day during the break. Okay. okay. So, you know, people, there's there's the Live On staff are still actively working right. and still engaging students because just because we're closed, doesn't mean you get the opportunity to slip, right? <laughs> so right, no, you still want, right. you still want to connect with you. Exactly. So, um, very active student life. Um, students can join any organization um, they want as early as the first year. With exception to some Greek organizations, because they require um, their requirements are different. Right. You're right. They require either the second semester or your sophomore year. Right. Right. And and, and they require GPAs based on their national standards. You know, we mm-hmm. have the Divine Nine. Mm-hmm. We have all of the above here. So right. Right. It's, uh, the Greek life issue itself is is, is an issue in its own because every organization, is by nature of their find, finding is founding is different. It's different. Yes,
1: sir. Yep.
0: So it's a little different. Um, but other than that, there there's something to do here. There's something for everyone, um, whether it's an organization that's committed to uh, community service, organizations committed to 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 fashion and and, and entertainment, um, poetry. Like it, it goes all the way across. We have. Yeah. We have your traditional Black Student Unions, mm-hmm. Association of Latin American Students. We have the Haitian Caribbean Organization. Mm-hmm. It spreads across yeah. um, the gamut. But uh, the reality is, if a student wants to be involved as early as orientation, they can find a home in some organization.
1: Right, right, right. And, that, and that's great. That's great. And I would hope that students would take take advantage of that dot because I mean a bus if you really just literally a bus ride away. But sometimes like a bus ride away could seem like you you far removed from home. And you know I remember uh just you know driving to the campus one time and and I think it was like my first time. I made the wrong turn. I couldn't get down it. But once I came down the main street. And I was like, you guys were nestled in such a space, man. I mean, tree line. I mean, it was just a nice place to be. You couldn't have told me I couldn't I wouldn't have cared what was around the, um, the university, because the way that you guys have the university so nice and, and manicured and, you know, in that space. Doc, classes, class sizes, though. What do you you know, what, what's the what do the, uh, the numbers look like for the classes?
0: Well, usually most of our classes are anywhere between fourteen to sixteen and one. I mean that's that's oh, okay. small campus, yeah. very small campus. Very small campus. the and I and I will say this, and I had a conversation with a young man, just um maybe right around Thanksgiving. He was mm-hmm. playing transferring. And um good student, And I said, um, you know, he wanted to transfer to my class. state. You know, you know, that's that's the student's right. choice. Right. And so we sat in and had a conversation. I said, um, you know. What are the needs that you have as a college student? I said, well, I want to, I want to have a personal attention. I want to have, I want to be in a place where people know me. <laughs> <laughs> said, so, where am I going? I said, well, right. how are you going to get that there? Right, that, you know. right, right. He says, well, they they have bigger parties there. I said, well, those those, those uh, are the right. separate needs. Right, right. I said, but well, look look what you're leaving and look what you're going through because right. you know, and then look at how you've struggling here in some some ways academically and people are right here with you like people are with you hands on and I think what happens in a place where your class size is about 16 students your instructor knows who you are hey, that's one or
1: two like yes, right away yes they they know when you're missing they know yep. when you're
0: talking and you're mm-hmm. and when you're disengaged from class right you can't hide. correct and there are multiple people have access to you And I said to him, "I said, listen, you just walked into my office and no appointment. I'm here with you for an hour. What vice president Michael exactly (laughs) (laughs) spent an hour with you just walking into the office?" I said, "I said, said, you know, before you make that decision." He ended up staying, but I think that if we don't talk to our students about the value of a small college,
1: I agree, and and what's important
0: here, and if what you want is to be lost in 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 a in the ocean and not be acknowledged and you could survive in that space then yeah you should because this is not for everyone right some people want to be in a class with 200 people right and that's what you want you want to hide in the back and never really be yeah yeah and and engage with but if that's not what you want this is the right place for the right student who has the right needs and and class size is important to us we have no desire to grow to a large institution
1: Right. And when you when you um, first threw out 14, 16 students, Doc, I was you know, I was like, wow, that's that's excellent. Um, yeah, because our, our students do they will that one on one attention, especially if you are if you're not academically sound and you mm-hmm. need that attention, you would rather for that teacher to find out well before, you know, that that final has to roll through or something like that. Or you just be in a number and a class mm-hmm. with 40, 50 some odd kids, if you're lucky. So I, you know, the, the the class sizes, I mean, for that number, that's 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 excellent. That's excellent. Doc, I'm about to wrap it up, but before I do, I want you to kind of expound on anything that we missed because I want to make sure that this video goes out to my parents and my students. So mm-hmm. I want everybody to kind of get the, the 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 real picture of 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 life at, at Bloomfield College. So is there anything that you think you might have missed oh. or you want to cover?
0: I'll just add a couple of things that we didn't touch. We didn't touch on in terms of we have some special support programs that we offer to our students. Um, that That's really not, not as much academic. So we have, uh, uh, my office manages a food pantry for commuters and residents. Okay. That's open to all our students and their families. So with what's going on in the world right now, um, this office downstairs is a resource for all of our students and their families.
1: So, Doc, hold um, on, Doc. So if I'm, I'm, I t- I'm a student of Bloomfield College. Right. My family's going through some stuff.
0: Yes, the pantry is open to them.
1: Okay, all right. Okay, um,
0: we we gave out, we gave out um we fed um about sixty turkeys and all the trainings for Thanksgiving to our students okay. and families. Okay, I mean okay. that's we're, we're that type of institution. Right, right. Um, and that's open year round to our students and their families. We also have a career closet that has all of the latest suits, dresses, shoes, belt ties. Okay. for our students to take when they go into an event, job interview, free to our students to come mm-hmm. and shop. It's, okay. it's called the Bloomfield College Outfitters. Okay. And it's a store that my staff manages that's a professional attire for students. Okay. So when that opportunity comes and you can't afford right. um, to go spend $200 right. on, on clothing, you go and you shop there for free. Doc, um, let me actually, let me jump in real fast mm-hmm. on
1: that part. When the kids, so if a, if a student is a senior and they're about to, you know, go out into the world and, and see about getting employment and things like that. Do you guys work with them like on those soft skills, um, like their interviewing skills and all of that stuff? So all of that happens in the makeup of we'll get you prepared and then we get you prepared. All of that happens like that. Let me,
0: let me rephrase that for okay. you. Um, we start that during the first year. <laughs> so that preparation <laughs> okay. for that time. I like um, that. During Doc. the first year, As we a start that professional grooming process.
1: Right, right. And the
0: closet is available to, um, to all students okay um, so it's not just for seniors if a first-year student is going to an internship right um, i had a student who lost a family member during COVID, and they didn't have clothes for the funeral closets open to you i mean you know right. so it, it's a right. variety of support um you know we right. don't we don't put limits on things because sometimes things that people need they just need they need if that makes sense yes you know, they sir. just need it um we also have um uh, emergency book scholarship fund for, for families that can't afford the books um, that's a grant that my office administers for those families as long as so if I can check with the financial aid office and the student has exhausted all options, then, then they don't have books then they come here we give them a book scholarship to get their books.
1: Well, actually, you know what, Doc, I, I remember that uh, because I think I was in your office waiting for you uh, maybe uh, maybe last year and a student mm-hmm. came in. And I remember, I believe it was your, sec- your uh, secretary, yep. she gave the gentleman a, uh, a book and he was, She was like, he said, what I, and she was like, it's covered. And, you know, he took the, you know, he walked off with the book. So, yeah, I remember, I remember seeing that.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I mean that's, uh, yeah, you you were there. My secretary does manage the book front. Uh-huh. <laughs> she does. She does. And, uh, and she's great at it, too. And we also have an emergency loan program uh, for students and their families. So, And I'm sharing these with you because I want people to understand why Bloomfield is completely different than everybody else. Mm -hmm. So let me give you an example. Let's say um, our students deal with real issues. You know, not everybody has internet. Some people don't have lights on all the time. People deal with real issues. Let's say um, our student and their families are going through a hardship where they don't don't have electricity um, at home and the student can't do their work. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll give that student a loan to help their family through that process. You know, if they're a commuter.
1: Right, if they're a resident. Right. They're
0: on campus. They don't need that. But right. The attention is the point here is our scope of support is a student and beyond the student because mm-hmm. there's the people behind the scene that if, if my parents are struggling, not eating, can't, it affects me. I can't me.
1: focus. Right. I can't focus. I can't focus. Right. Right. I can't
0: focus. So we have to look past that, and um, we also have a scholarship fund to help students stay on campus who can't afford it, mm-hmm. and we also have a homeless assistance fund because a lot of times. Uh-huh. We have to relocate students who are actually homeless and to campus. Wow. So we have to do that in a way to support them financially if they can't afford that as well. But I say that to say that Bloomfield is that other kind of place.
1: Yeah.
0: And so we have what's called a Bloomfield BC Care Team. Mm-hmm. We have a group of about 15 professionals that meet every two weeks to talk about all the different students who are going through hardships and creating action plans to help them. Okay. Whether, it's an, whether it's an emotional issue, a home issue, an academic issue. Right, right, right. Um, so this is a student-centric institution, but it's not just to the student. It's the student and all the things that uh, impact kids. that student. Right,
1: exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right, Doc. Listen, I definitely appreciate you taking out the time. Uh, I, I really wanted to. I really wanted my student and parents and, and any of the listeners who have students that are about to um, embark on that, that college that journey into college. I definitely wanted to hear directly from you um, about the programs. I learned I learned some things today as well, and I, I wanted to say I appreciate you. I'll follow up on our M um, O U our connection together, sure. and um, and so when we I'm a, I'm gonna air I'm gonna video. And what I'll probably do is I'm a, I'll reach back out to you because it would be great if I could at least um, put a link or two to representatives or things like that on the link so that the kids, if they needed to reach out, they can do that directly.
0: Oh, perfect. Perfect. And I, and I thank you for inviting me to, in the, to this conversation, to this interview as well. As always, I'm, a, I'm an admirer of your work, with your student and your commitment to your students as well and um they need you at orange bro so
1: keep doing what you do <laughs> all right doc i'm gonna thank sign off i'm gonna sign off now thank you i appreciate you thanks for coming through fearless leader out.
0: thank you for listening to the fearless leader podcast a podcast made to help you take control of your life and find your passion if you enjoy tonight's podcast Make sure you subscribe so you're notified whenever a new episode is posted. And rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. We really appreciate your support here at the Fearless Leader Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.
1: We'll see you all next week.